faithful, righteous, true, just. That's the God that we serve, and he's worthy to be praised. I don't know about you. I'm just so excited about what God is doing in this conference this weekend. And I went upstairs and took off my lipstick to make sure, you know, I just want to be comfortable because I don't know what God is going to do in a minute. I'll take off my glasses. I, I, I know God, not just because there has been so much opposition to this conference, but anytime God brings a group of especially women together, oh, the enemy does not like that. And he will try to ruffle a little feathers or, or rub us the wrong way or cause some chaos in our lives or he'll interfere here and interfere there. Because when God gets ready to get to, to do a breakthrough or a breakthrough is about to come to your life, it is not often without opposition. It's not. Sometimes it happens where God moves in your life, and it's okay. It's smooth sailing ahead. But I will say nine times out of ten, whenever God is about to do something great in the earth through you, you are going to get opposition. He'll come through your children. He might come through your spouse. He might come through your job. He might come to you personally. He might use your flesh. But there is usually opposition when it comes to the things of God or the operatings of God. Or just before a breakthrough, there is adversity that comes from the enemy. But I love what the Bible says, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Amen. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. I'll tell you, last night I was moved. And it wasn't a movie where I'm just talking about I got goosebumps or I got chilled. I mean, God moved me from one place to another place. And I found out, not that I found out, I knew that it did happen last night, but I saw it this morning in worship. My worship was different. I gave God a new song. And when God moves you from one place to another, everything about you, everything around you, it may stay the same. It may not change right away, but there's something on the inside of you that's different. There's something that's different in your praise. There is a difference in your worship. There is a difference in your talk. There is a difference in your walk. And I saw where God moved me to another place. And I'm going to say something that I always say to our church, that where you are now and where you are going are two different places. The best in God is always yet to come. There are better days ahead of you than there are behind you. And God is such a big God that as long as we are here on this earth, we'll always be experiencing greater things in God. I don't believe that we will ever get all of God while we're walking this earth. But I'm going to tell you, the journey is just so sweet on the way to what God is, where God is taking us, even in our positions. Amen? I found that even with me in preparing for this conference, I met opposition. Opposition will either cause you to stop, quit, 
or it will cause you to go full speed ahead. And I choose to go full speed ahead. When the enemy attacks me, and I don't say that to get attacked, but when the enemy attacks me, it's like putting that expensive gas in my tank. You know, it just fuels me. It just, it gives me more energy because it will cause you at some time or another to seek God. It'll cause you at some point to cry out like you never cried out before. Now, the, the, the title of this is Surviving the In-Between. We all face in-betweens. We are all of us. You are on your way somewhere. And hopefully you're on your way to a good place. And when you're on your way somewhere with God, you're always going to a better place. You're always going to a good place. And on your way to that good place, sometimes we face a, a, a adversity. I don't want to come out. I don't like adversity. Sometimes we face adversity. Sometimes we encounter challenges in life before we see the full manifestation of what God desires for our own lives. And I love what, I don't know if it was Mary Ann Brown last night, where she said, we're always looking for the purposes of God for our lives or the will of God for our life. And like she said, that's okay. We should be doing that. But we are not to forget about the plan of God for our lives. And God has a plan for each and every one of, one of your lives. He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plan. God knows the plan that he has for you. And it's a promise for you to give you future and to give you a hope. But what we forget in that passage of scripture, it was, he was saying that to his people who were in exile. He was saying this to his people who were being held captive because they had strayed away from the things of God. They had begun to worship other idols and God allowed them to go into captivity. But yet while they were still in captivity, he said, I know that plan that I had for you before you went into captivity, that plan still stands for your life. I know the plans that I have for you. Although you're still in captivity, my plan is still to give you a future and to give you a hope. And often we bring things on ourselves. We cause things ourselves to come into our life and invade our life. And, and we have to be taken to a place that's not too pleasant for us. But God says there's still a plan that I have for your life to prosper you, to give you a future, and to give you a hope. And Marianne Brown asked the question last night, what does God see when he looks at the church right now? And Jesus says this, when I return, will I find faith in the earth. And when God looks at the church, does he see a faithful church? Does he see a righteous church? I don't know about you, but when she asked that question, it caused me to look on in here. It caused me to look at my own heart. And in looking at my own heart, I saw 
that in some things that she said last night, that even the leaders of the church, even the pastors of the church, sometimes we can kind of stray away from the things of God. It doesn't mean that we are not still doing as God has called us to do, but it caused me to look back inside here. And my prayer was this, God help me to turn aside again. Help me to see that burning bush, that fire. Help me to experience that fire. Help me to turn aside again. And I believe that that's one of the things that God is doing in this hour to his people. He's causing us to turn aside again. Because sometimes we just get away from the things of God, whether it's a hardening of the heart, or whether we straighten our thoughts, or whether we straighten our heart. But God is looking for us to come back into the will of God in order that we might be the reapers that he so desires us to be. And I believe that what Marianne said last night is also true, is that God has to save his people again. And that's one of the things that God is doing in the body of Christ, is that he's delivering his people again. Because often what you find in the body of Christ is that many are serving God and they are not free. And as someone said this morning, and then the, the, the world is coming into the church, and the world is not seeing a difference in the church because some believers are serving God miserable. We are fainting. If you look at some Christians, we are dropping off at enormous rates. If you look in your, in your own individual churches, you see that just a, there's a gradual decline. But I believe that God is turning all of that around, and he's coming, and he's bringing a newness of life. He's bringing salvation. He's bringing deliverance to his church in order that we might be the reapers that he desires for us to be. When I was getting dressed uh, yesterday morning, getting ready to come here, one of the things that the Lord said to me was this. He says, the harvest is here for my people also. And Marianne Brown said it last night. It's harvest time. I believe it's harvest time for the worlds and there are souls that are ready to be picked for God. But I also believe that it's harvest time for the people of God also. If you look at the people of God, many have sown in tears. But God is saying that now is coming a time where you are going to reap in joy. Because you've, you've done all of the right things. And just because we have adversity, and just because we are being challenged, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are out of the will of God. You have sown in tears. You've walked the floors. You've been up in the midnight hour. You, 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 you've had times of discouragement and, and of distress. And God is saying, now is time for you to reap in joy. Bringing back the passion. And I, I promised myself when I was in the room, I have two sessions to do, and I, I said, okay, I gotta slow it down some. I, I, the first time I did this, I was just so excited that I was spent. You know, I got time for the second one, but God is able, amen, to make all grace of brown and strengthen us. <laughs> amen. God is bringing us to a place of strengthening because it's time for us to get involved in the harvest. 
And all of us are reapers. It's not just the pastors. It's not just for the evangelists. It's not just for the apostle. It's not just for the prophet. And it's not just for the teacher. All of us are reapers. If you have declared that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, when you did that, you also received the great commission to go into all the world. So we are all reapers, and God is getting us to the place where we reap in the way that he desires for us to reap. We don't reap people. The Bible doesn't say, but there's no saying that hurting people hurt people. We don't reap people when we are walking around hurting and fussing and complaining and, and murmuring. And we are talking about the pastors, and we are talking about the church, and we are talking about people in the church. The world doesn't want to come into a place like that. The world wants to see something different from what, a life different from what they are living right now. And when the world comes into the church, the one, thing, one of the things that the world wants to see is an excited church. People who are excited about the things of the Lord and who have the joy of the Lord. And one of the places they look for that in is worship. And when we have people who are coming into our church and, and, and the members are playing patty cake in worship, Or they look like, you know, when are they going to sing the last song? I'm tired of standing up. People come in and see how we react to God. Not to the pastor, not to the church. People are looking to see how we react to God. Because this is the God that we want them to serve. This is the God that we want them to receive. I got to get back over here. This is a God that we want them to receive. So they are looking at how we relate to this God that we are trying to get them to receive. Surviving the in-between. Now for this message, at first I was going to share on something else, and what we have to do is send in a little synopsis of what our title and what we're going to share on. And I had put something else down. I wasn't going to share on this. And God said, no, that's not what I want you to share on. I want you to share and tell me what I want, he wanted me to share on. This is a message that I was supposed to share in Sturbridge at the conference this past April, but I had two deaths in my family and I wasn't able to make the, con the, uh, the conference. And I'm thinking this, okay, God, I was gonna share that here, but you might have something different for these people. He said, no, it's the same title, but it's a different message. He said, this is what I want you to share on because most of my people are in between. You are in the process. And in the process, you are being kicked around some. I found that there are different reasons why people come to conferences. Some people come to conferences, everything is OK. You have no problems. You just need a break. You need to get away. But most women who come to conference, you are coming to get something. You are coming to go to another place in God. You are coming because you have great trials, and you have great troubles, and you have great tribulations. And God knows that we are in the process on the way to something big in God. And we are like Abraham. He's taken us out to a place where we don't even know where we are going. You don't know where you're going, and it's causing some confusion in your mind, and you're disturbed in your heart because you know God is taking you somewhere, but you don't know where you're going. 
And if you're anything like me, I remember years ago when God told me, I'm taking you somewhere, but I, God, I need to know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a need to know person. You know, I need to know the steps. I, I don't even like surprises at the church because I don't know what you're going to do next. I like to know what you're going to do next. But God is saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And some of you have given up the visions and the dreams and that plan that God has for your life. And you knew it was God from the onset. But then you begin to encounter adversity. And you wonder whether it was God or whether it was you or whether it was just someone else speaking into your life. Just because you're encountering adversity doesn't necessarily mean that it's not God. If you look at Peter when he walked on the water. He said, Lord, that looks like so much fun. Tell me to come. And you've had things that you wanted to do in, in, in the ministry of things that you want to do for, for God. And God said, okay, it's time for you to come. And then you began to step out on the things of God and the winds and the waves and all of that began to blow. And the reason that you are feeling the chaos, the reason that you're feeling the tension, the reason that you are feeling oppressed is because you looked at the situation, you looked at the problem, you are looking at the wind, you are looking Looking at the wrong thing. As long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on the water. And as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to go on and accomplish what God has to call for you to accomplish. How to survive the in-between. And I said, God, I'm going to have to give him something. I, he gave me the title. I didn't, even, I didn't know. And this is what the Lord said to me. It's just so, so profound. He said, find out what the will of God is for you and do it. See, we believe Nike. When Nike says just do it, we just go in and do it. We don't question Nike. But when God says just do it, we have a problem with that sometimes. And sometimes we have a problem when God says just, just do it because we are worried about what Sister Betty would say. What will my family think? Because usually when God calls you to do something, it's out of the ordinary. It's outside of your personality. It's outside of the norm for you. That's not you. And, and, and it's like... Benton, the one that spoke this morning, I'm an introvert, just like she is. But you just give me a mic and let me speak for God. It all depends on what I'm called to do. Now, you might sit me at a table with you. I may not say two words. But whenever it's time to speak up for God, oh, there's no stopping me. I can just do it. I don't care where I, where I am, if God calls me to speak for him, I can just do it, whether there are five people or 5,000, but I had to get to that place. And one of the things that stopped me was because I thought I had to do all the work. And God has placed in us a great power through the Holy Spirit who anoints us to do. He speaks through us. 
because God knows each and every one of your hearts. And as I was praying for the conference, that was one of the things I prayed. Lord, give me your heart for them because you know their hearts. You can go into places in them that I cannot go. So God knows your heart, and he'll always make sure that you get what you need. But it's up to us to receive and not reject. I don't like that. You know, we play prices wider. I want no games with God. If you're going to pull, pull out another, God, I don't like that one. God, whatever God gives you, it suits you, and it's just for you. He might give you something that nobody else can do. But God is saying, just do it. It's like Mary when they were at the, at the wedding feast, the wedding of Canaan. And Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, what did she, what did she say? Do it. We're out of wine. And they forgot that that wasn't even about the wine. It was about the wedding. You know, we, 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 we allow issues to come into godly things that do not belong there. So this became an issue. But even with that issue, Jesus took care of the issue. And the things that you encounter, the challenges and the adversity and what God has called you to, God will take care of the issues. But we have to have that press on the inside of us that will press through like the woman with the issue of blood, that will press through the things that are crowding you and the things that are surrounding you, even among people who don't think you belong there. Because the woman with the issue of blood, she wasn't even supposed to be out in public because she had that flow of blood and was considered uh, impure. And the same with you. God has placed you in position or can place you in a position that people don't think that you belong there. And sometimes they think you are impure because they know your past. But like she said this morning, the past is past. And we have to get to a place that when people bring up our past, or even if the enemy bring up our past, we got to get to a place where I just say it's under the blood. Euphonic, it's under the blood. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. So Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says this. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I didn't even get to my notes yet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 7, 8. It says the end of a thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. This is a scripture that I have stood on since I got saved. I used to put it on my refrigerator. And, and it said that, that what I put on my refrigerator was this, better is the end of a thing, which some of your Bibles might say. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And whenever I would face adversity or would have things going on in my life or even in my body or whatever it pertained to, I would remember that scripture, that the end of this 
is going to be better than the beginning of this. And if we can trust God, and I think verse 10 says, you know, don't be saying where are the good old days. I think verse 10 says that in some of the Bibles. You don't be saying where are, some of, where are the good old days. And that, that's what happens sometimes when, when some Christians are encountering battles. You go back to where I remember when. And God has so much better things or so many more better things for you than he did back, way back when. So he says, don't even talk about how things used to be. And we can be like the, the, um, God's people when they went into the wilderness. And whenever they encountered adversity, oh, I wish we were sitting back in Egypt, sitting over the pots of leeks and the garlic, and they began to smell the garlic. And they wanted to go back into bondage because what they were going through at the present time seems so much worse than what they had gone through. Trust me, what you went through back, th back there is so much worse than you are where you are now. It's just that sometimes it just looks a little better because we're having turmoil and it's hurting us and, 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 and we don't feel so good. So we want to go back to something that we thought at the time made us feel good. And let me tell you this, because you are in a new place in God, if you go back to that, it's going to be worse than it was the first time. The Bible says that it's better that we never knew him than to turn our back on him and go back. I don't want to go back. I remember how my life was before I received Jesus Christ, not just as my Savior, but Jesus is my Lord also. I didn't receive him just to go to heaven. I received him because I wanted him to take the reins of my life, and I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. That's why I one of the reasons I received him. Where you are now and where you're going, are two different places. But what do you do between I believe God and there it is? You stand, and when you've done all you can do to stand, you find a way to keep on standing. If you have to hold on to a friend to keep on standing, you keep on standing. If you gotta hold on to your pastor to keep on standing, you keep on standing. But whatever you have to do to stand, you need to find a way to keep on standing. And, and as Jacob said, I ain't gonna let go until you bless me. Don't you quit, don't you stop, and don't you give up until you get what God says belongs to you. The Lord reminded me when I was putting my notes together, when I was in elementary school and I was walking around school and uh, one of those embarrassing things, my skirt fell down. And I picked it up and I kept walking. And God said, tell him this, pick it up and keep walking. You pick yourself up and keep, I walked like my skirt had never fallen down. It's a process. And sometimes when we're in a process, it might seem like a dry, desolate place. And it can be filled with overwhelming fear, hopelessness. And there are urges to quit often. And then sometimes, because the believer isn't standing, when God is requiring us to continue to stand, they begin to not just leave the church, but they leave God. And let me say this, there are many in the church who have left God. You're still coming to church. Amen. Yeah, amen. 
They draw near him with their lips, but their hearts are far from it. They can sing, they can raise their hand, and they can do a little shout, and they can do a little dance. They, they just know how to do that. But their hearts are so far from God because they've strayed away from the things of God because of the fear and the pressure, because of the torment. But if we can just hold on to the altar of God, we'll find that God will take care of whatever issue. The Bible says that he will contend with those things that are contending with you. Let God go and fight that. The battle is not yours. We are fighting things that we are not equipped to fight. The Lord said to me several years ago, and I, I, I continually remember this. He said to me, choose your battles carefully. And some of us are all into stuff that we have no business being in. And we have to choose carefully what we fight. Not just how you fight, but you need to choose what you fight. And I'm going to say this, even with people that are closest to you, because things can go on with your spouse and they can go on with your children, and we begin to fight, but be, and because we want them freed so desperately, we want them saved so desperately, we begin to interfere with the Holy Spirit. We become a hindrance of harvest, like Marianne said last night. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. What has happened so often in the body of Christ is that we have trained our minds to accept stress. You, you, you're trained to expect, to, oh, come on, oh, be honest, I was there. My, my mind and my, my body were trained to accept stress, to accept worry, because this is something I really should, I know, I gotta be worrying over this, this is bad. So we train our, our, our minds to accept stress, to accept anxiety. We trained our minds to accept worry. How many of you say, I work better under pressure? Oh, come on, see? Why you want to work under pressure? And by the time you finish, you're tired and fussing. I used to say that. I work better under pressure, and I found out that I work better when there was no pressure because I had trained my mind to accept pressure and flow in pressure. To operate in stress, to operate in anxiety. When, when, when the Bible says, cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And God does not want us to always have to be operating under stress and pressure. When he's saying, okay, give it here. I care for you. Give it here. Throw the whole of your cares, the whole of your anxieties upon me because I care for you. And that's why he says in the Bible, come unto me, all of you who are weary. I work better when I'm weary. All of you who are overburdened and heavy laden, I work better when I'm over, uh, overburdened. See, we've trained ourselves to accept things like that. And we've deceived and conned ourselves into believing that pressure is normal. And so when pressure comes, we allow pressure to ride with us. Doesn't mean that pressure is not going to come. Pressure comes, worry can come, and anxiety can come, but you got to get rid of it quick. 
because your body is not made to carry that. It will internalize, I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but I know that it will affect you uh, uh, physically. It will affect your muscles and your nerves. It will give you headaches. It will give you ulcers. It will give you cancer. We know that all of that can come with that. So we've conned ourselves and deceived ourselves into believing that that's normal. No, it's not normal. I, I just started college full time. And I'll tell you, pressure. You know, when you haven't been to school in 32 years, and you got to go back and sit in those desks, and you in with those young 18-year-old kids. And I tell you, they packed up their books in the outer room, still trying to get my books in my bag. <laughs> trying to get my books in my bag and trying to get it. Usually it's just the teacher and me, the last one to leave the room. <laughs> and I remember like the first couple of weeks, it was very difficult with pressure. I felt overwhelmed because I had to get used to the, the school system all over again. And I remember I was sitting in class one day, and I heard in my mind, because the devil tried to get in your thoughts. And I heard in my mind, the old gray mare ain't what she used to be. <laughs> ain't what she used to be. And I quickly got that out of there because there were already thoughts running through my mind to quit. When I had waited so long, I've been putting it off, and it's a desire that I had had for years was to go back to school. And then all of this just overwhelmed me in doing that full-time, going to school full-time, and then doing everything else that I had to do, it overwhelmed me, but then I had to bring everything back into perspective, and I had to find out why I was feeling all of this. And God said to me, you left me out of the equation. Everything now is about school. Everything now is about getting your homework done and reading those chapters and doing those research papers. You left me out of the whole thing. And the Lord is my strength. He's a very present help. And when we leave him out, we become overwhelmed with the things of life. Just life itself can be traumatic. Just going to the grocery store can be traumatic. Going to the gas tank, just life itself. And that's why the Bible says that we got to guard our heart. We got to watch what comes into our heart. We got to guard it, and we have to do that diligently because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. Life has issues, and we got to make sure that our heart is right with God and that our heart is fixed and our heart is steadfast. He, that's why he said, when you seek me, one of the things you got to do is seek me with all of your heart. So God said, you left me out. And I'm going to ask you, have you left them out of some things? Because you feel that you can do it yourself. I mean, let me say this. I'm going to say, you can't fix your children. I try. You can't fix your husband. I, I just try. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And my husband couldn't fix me. He tried. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. So we've trained ourselves for all of these things. And when we get to a place where we surrender to these, we suffer. All of a sudden, we can't deal with life. And we're crying, come, Lord, you want Jesus to come back like today. Come back. Does it? You, you, know, you know why? Because when we allow all that to come, we get selfish. And then it's all about me. 
Jesus, come right now. I don't care about the billions of people who ain't saved yet. Come on back and get me now. I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm tired of all of this that's going on down here. And Jesus is saying, no, you have to learn to endure. And then Jesus said this. He said, with patience, possess your soul. And we have to get to a place where our soul gets to a place where it perseveres. And that's why David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. We have to get to a place where we tell our soul what to do, or our flesh even what to do, and not allow our flesh to dictate and determine what we will do and what we won't do. We have to crucify that flesh. And if we don't, we get selfish. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So when we look at our soul, when we look at our minds, one of the things we have to do is we have to provide a way for our minds to deal with life and its pressures. But the Bible said, renew your mind daily. Renew yourself. Get, get renewed in the word of God. And that's helping your mind to deal with the pressures of life. That's one of the ways to do it. And fellowshipping with God, it helps our mind, our soul, to deal with the pressures of life. Because we are going to have life issues. And we got to help our minds deal with pressure, deal with the weights, deal with the difficulties, to deal with strain, to deal with heaviness. Because the Bible says that heaviness is what? It's a spirit from the devil. The Bible calls it in Isaiah 61, and it says a spirit of heaviness. So we have to help our minds deal with those pressures. And one of the things I said was guarding your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. Now the other side of when I said choosing your battles carefully, the other side is that is that we don't always choose our battles. Sometimes our battles choose us. It happens, you know, going along and Everything is fine, everything is hunky-dory, and all of a sudden, a battle chooses you. Over the past two months, what, within two months, wasn't the past two months, within two months, from April to June, I had four traumatic, I think, well, three traumatic, one good, and I'll explain that fourth one later, to happen in, our lot, in my life, and sometimes lives throws curves, and you encounter things in life that leave you emotionally damaged. Yeah. And so I went through just a few things in, in my life within two months that really left me emotionally damaged. Now, three of them were deaths. Within one week, I had a sister-in-law to pass. This is when I was supposed to go to Sturbridge and minister. And on my sister-in-law's, the day of her funeral, a niece passed. And two months after that, my mother passed. And all of those were traumatic, but I think my mother passing was the great, was the most traumatic thing that I had to, uh, to encounter uh, during that time. I was already tired, and when you're already tired, and then you have other things that come up on you, and sometimes it just gets to a place where you're, you become overwhelmed. But I saw where God carried me he carried me through the whole thing, and I know it was the mercy of God. I know it was the grace of God. When I should have fallen apart, 
when I should have broken apart, where God just carried me and is still carrying me because I'm still in the process. I'm still in the in-between. And I don't know if, you, if you're like me, I suppress things. You know, I, I'll put them aside and say, I'll deal with them later. And that's one of the things that I put aside and said, I'll deal with that later. And what I usually do is busy myself with other things. So I let other things keep me busy. So now that is here that I'm not dealing with that. And it's causing some things in me where you begin to say some things that you wouldn't normally say or do some things that you wouldn't normally do. It's because you've tucked away on, on the inside of you something that needs to be dealt with and something that you need to be healed of. And it's causing damage and it's interfering in other areas of your life. Now, if you look at me, I'm not the type of person that wears their feelings on their sleeve. Very seldom can you tell how I feel, outward appearances sometimes, doesn't always portray the true feelings of the heart. And when you look at me outwardly, it's difficult to see how I'm doing in my heart. And when you look okay, people think that you are okay. You've been there. Let me tell you this, anytime there's a death, I don't care how okay they look, they're not okay. So when you look okay, people think that you are okay, and this is logical. Some of you, to me, you look okay. But I know you're not okay. You're not. You're not okay. And as I said, I'm still in the process of recovering from my mother's death. I remember as a child, I, I used to pray, God, I want to die before my mother because I don't think that I could ever take losing her. You, you ever say that when you were kid? When I shared that with my sister, my sister said, you know, I used to say the same thing when I was growing up because I didn't think I could handle it, but I found out that I can. With God's help, I can. And, and there's no saying that time heals wounds. No, not time by itself. It doesn't. That's why you have some people who are still wounded from 50, 50 years ago. Because time alone does not do it. It takes God stepping in and intervening in the midst of that. It takes more than time. You have to give God time, but time itself, it will not do it. And he's faithful. I know that is God. There is no way that I could have made it as far as I have made it without God. And my cry continually is, God, when my heart is overwhelmed, because I get times when I'm overwhelmed, I said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. Because I don't want myself to be on the throne. There's someone higher than me, and it's Jesus Christ. And I know you encounter things in life, you go through, through things in life, and because to them you seem like a strong person, and then when it's your turn to be comforted, and it's your turn to receive help, they don't think you need it. Because you were so good at helping everybody else. You know, when, when, when uh, Ruth went out to glean, she didn't just bring it back and feed Naomi, she fed herself too. So you got to remember to feed yourself. And some people are just thinking that you are okay. I remember when I, and I, I called a few people up just to tell them my, my mother had passed, and I ended up counseling them. They began to tell me what was going on in their life, and they had this problem, and they had that. You know what I did? I counseled them. 
And someone said to me, they said, you, you know, you counsel us and you, you give us great word. We don't know what to do when it comes to you having a need. And that's happening with a lot of you. Some people just do not know what to do when a need arises. It's not that they don't want to help. They just do not know what to do. And one thing they feel is this. They feel intimidated because you are so great at helping other people, they don't think they can measure up to you. They don't think they can do it as good as you do it. That's why pastors have a hard time when people, people don't pray, usually come personally and pray for pastors because I may not, I might not pray as well as the pastor does. Or the pastor might, might critique my prayer because they know the word. We need help the same as you need help. We need prayer the same as you need prayer. Now the fourth thing that happened, and I know the time is getting away from so and I'm just on first, I got two more pages of notes. The first thing, and I changed it from being traumatic, to, is it wasn't, something seemed traumatic at the time and you find out that it's really not as bad as you think. It's bad, but not as bad as you think. You know, when it's happening, like, is it bad, is it terrible? What are we going to do? And as time goes on, you say, gee, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Now, the fourth thing that, that happened in my life, and as I said, it wasn't a bad thing, is that April 30th, my daughter gave birth to a grandson. So I am, I am a grandmother and loving it. I love being a grandmother. I didn't know what to do with him when he first kid got to the house, and it took me a while to figure out, okay, I'm not his mother. If, you, if any of you have children living, your children have children and they're living with you, it's difficult. I had to remember, he is not my son. So I had to make a pact with my daughter. This is your son, and I'm not going to interfere in you raising him unless I have to. <laughs> unless I have to. And I have had to. That's a few times. Now, my, my daughter is not married. And when my daughter told me that she was pregnant, God said this to me. He said, be careful what you say, and remember what you say will be recorded here in her heart. That's what God told me, and that's for you. Because you're going to have to face some issues. You're going to have to face some people. Be careful what you say, because it's going to be recorded here. And God said this, in years to come, it's going to be, she's going to press that rewind button. You know when the family gets together and we talk about stuff? That rewind button is going to be pressed. And how you handle this is going to be spoken in years to come. So he said, be careful in how you address it and be careful in what you say. Because it's going to affect her heart in a good way or in a bad way. And when my daughter came to my, the Lord had told me all this. Now, let me say this. Before my daughter told me she was pregnant, I knew she was pregnant. Because the Holy Spirit had told me that he was, she was pregnant. And my question was this. Why didn't I know when she was there about to get pregnant? You know, I, I, I don't know why it happens the way it happened. I would have liked to have known, you know, the onset of it. I would like to have known that, but for some reason I didn't know that. We were on vacation. And we were sitting in a restaurant, and the Lord said to me, she's pregnant. 
And you know, you just try to shake it out of your head. You, you get that rebuker out, don't you? You get that binder out, I bind them. I bring back those words in the name of Jesus and I cast them into the sea. And I'm binding, I'm rebuking. And I knew it was God because I know God's voice. And it was so strong and it was so audible, although it wasn't audible, that I couldn't even finish my meal. And I didn't say anything to anyone at the table. And, and in the weeks to come, um, I, I, I remember, and I had a vision of a little boy crawling around on the floor. You know, you shake it out of your head. No baby, no baby here. And then in my mind, I was setting up his nursery. Okay, his nursery can go upstairs in the room. And I, what I saw in this, God reminded me of all of this. And what he was doing, he was preparing me to minister to her. Because you know, the initial, now had she just told me this and I hadn't seen all of this, I do not know what I would have said. So God was preparing me to minister to her. And what I did with her is I took her and I hugged her. I ministered to her. I prayed with her. And I brought her to a place of repentance in God. That was the will of God for that situation. Now, having said all that, it was still difficult. It was difficult, your baby having a baby that they have to raise pretty much by themselves. But when I look back over it, I'm just so grateful that God just showed me the things that he showed me. And I said this to the people in my congregation, if one of your daughters got pregnant, I would embrace your daughter and I would help your daughter in any way that I could. Why would I do anything less for my own child? And sometimes we forget that. We let other people's children get away with things that we will not allow our children to get away with. And, 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 and sometimes they shouldn't get away with things. You know, but I'm just saying, we can embrace and we can love others better than we can embrace and love our own family sometimes. If you're honest. But I'm the type of person who don't worry about what people think. Pretty much, I care what you think. It depends on what it is. This, I just wasn't worrying. The devil said, well, you're a pastor. What are the people going to say? What are the people going to think? What is the church going to say? And I, I, I got up in front of the church and I said this, I'm still going to preach abstinence. Hallelujah. And you know why I said this? Because a lot of times when things like that happen in our life, we feel like hypocrites. If we go and preach about it now, and teach about it, or witness about it, what happened was my daughter does not change the truth of God's word. You got to remember that. It does not change the truth of God's word. The Bible still said don't fornicate. That didn't change because my daughter got pregnant. So I didn't change my message. I, am, I didn't become more tolerant of people who have babies out of wedlock, of people who fornicate. I'm not more to tolerant than that. I still stand on the truth of God's word, and I look at my situation as this right now. It is what it is. I cannot change that. There's nothing I can do about that. If I could, I don't know if I would because I have a six-month-old grandbaby that I love so very dearly. I wouldn't change this situation. Now, had I had a choice before it happened, yes. Amen. But I found that we have to love them. Doesn't mean that we accept it, 
but we have to love them. And my daughter said this to me. She said, Ma, although it happened uh, the wrong way, are you still happy? Even though it didn't happen the right way, are you still happy? I said, it didn't happen the right way. There's nothing we can do to change it. I said, I love you, and I love this baby, and he's not even here yet, and God has a destiny for his life. There's a plan and a purpose that God has for his life. And you know what she said to me? I thought I was wrong for being happy. Because sometimes as a church, that's what we do. We keep them in their sins. When they've come to a place of repentance and they've gotten their hearts right with God, we sometimes still see them in that place, in that spot of sin. I say you should rejoice at that little miracle, that birth that is, that's about to come out of you, that blessing that's about to come out of you. But get it right the next time. Don't do, don't do that again. Because sometimes when we say all those sweet little, cute little things, here come three, four, five, six, seven more, you know. We, you got to say, you, you, don't do that again. Amen. <laughs> but God has used him in my life, and especially in the death of my mother. When I feel a little overwhelmed or a little weepy, or a little, I'll go and get him and bring him to my bedroom, and I'll sing with him, I'll pray with him, and we play and we laugh. So God is using him, and I believe that when he grows up, he's going to serve the Lord all the days of his life. And all the days of his life, he's going to dwell in the house of the Lord. Find out what the will of God is for you and do it. And the only way you can do it is you got to trust God with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding because in your own understanding it makes no sense you got to lean on Jesus lean not to your own understanding but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path Amen. Satan trying to wear you out with stress and worry anxiety discouragement Pain, suffering, pressure, whatever it is. And some of it ain't even yours. We get so involved in people's lives, don't we? You know, and, and I hear people say often, oh, I prayed so hard for you, I got sick. You something wrong with your prayers. <laughs> I start feeling your pain. You were having a headache, weren't you? When Jesus died for that, why? That would, I think that would make God a hypocrite. We just want to be so spiritual. You know, we're just so spiritual. It just came on me. I carried your pain. Why? When Jesus, oh, yeah. And we're just so up there in, in the clouds sometimes, in la-la land. When Jesus already carried, I'm not going to carry anything that Jesus already carried. Your right knee was hurting. Well, I know because I started limping and I was praying for you. No. <laughs> Trying to wait. See, that's deception. We deceive ourselves. A lot, a lot of the problems we have are from without, but I'm going to tell you, most of them are from within. It's us. The enemy is enemy. <laughs> Sometimes it's us. And a lot of times these things come upon us is because of what we say. You know what the buzzwords in the, in the church are? How you doing? I'm busy. I'm stressed. I'm worried. So that has nowhere to go because you already claimed it. You're saying that's mine. I'm stressed. 
I got tension. I'm sick. I'm tired. It has nowhere to go but with you because that's what you are saying that you are. We have to be careful who we say we are. Yeah, I, I, I was in, and hopefully nobody's here that was there. I, I went to a banquet on Wednesday night, and, and uh, the speaker had us to repeat, I'm in a pit. And, and, and my husband looked at me, and I looked at my husband. I was getting ready to say, do, do not say that I am in a pit. I don't care if I'm in one. Don't you say but he said it to me first. He said, don't you say that I'm in a pit. Because I don't look at where I am. I look at where I'm going. You know, you, got, you have to watch the declarations that you make over your life and over your family. you got to declare. The Bible says that God called those things that be not as though they already were. I might be in a pit and I might be stinking and dirty, but I am not going to tell you that I am in a pit. I'm looking at where God is taking me. Now, if that would all depend on the day, if you're honest. Because you'll say, I ain't going to say, I'm gonna, it would depend on how you're feeling at the time. Sometimes. I am in a rut, because you're in a rut. But you got to begin to speak where you're going. In that in-between time of God said it, I believe what God says, and during that process, you got to look at where God says you're going. Amen. God. When God saved us, he didn't look at where we were at the time. He looked at who we would become because of his grace and his mercy. And the same thing with the situations in our life. we got to look at where we're going and not so much where we are. Buzzwords. Let go of those buzzwords. The devil tries to get in your thoughts, and we got to go through the higher thoughts. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. No matter what we're thinking, I don't care if it's right and if it's good. God has something higher than that. How many times have you prayed, and what you got was so much better than you prayed for because our mind can't fathom truly the things of God. So when we pray for things in our life, when we pray for situations in our life, God brings it so much better than he, we thought that he would bring it. The manifestation is so much greater than we thought. God, I asked for such and such, but oh gee, I didn't expect this. And that's how God works in our ways because there's a higher way in God. And I've learned that with God that he has made provision for every area of our life. Provision. That's why don't give up. I don't care what it is. Don't you give up on God. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on yourself. And most importantly, do not give up on God. And I believe that God is saying at this hour, I have to be enough. We have to get to a place where really God is enough. He has to be enough in our lives. And whatever we encounter in life, God has to be the one that's going to satisfy us in that. When we're looking for peace, our satisfaction and peace, it has to come from God. God has to be enough to give us peace. He has to be enough 
to give us the joy that we are looking for. He has to be enough no matter what we are looking for in life. No matter where we are going in life, God has to be enough. It's like David said, he picked me up out of a horrible pit. You got to look for God to pick you up. And I, I, one person said he picked me up out of. You have to look for God that no matter what's going on in your life, that he can pick you up out of that. And we have to believe that with God, all things are possible. I don't care what the people say. I don't care what they say. I hate when they say they said. I got ready to do something and somebody said, that's not the way they do it. And I said, this has nothing to do with them. This is personal. You have to get to a place where you say, this is personal. This is between me and God. How God got them out of a situation that might be similar to yours or the same may not be the way God wants to get you out. And you striking that rock because it worked the first time and God telling you to speak to some of these mountains. You know, Moses struck the rock and water came out and they were crying for water again and he struck it again because it worked the first time. And some of you, you're still using something because it worked the first time. And, it's, and sometimes it does, but God can do new things. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs forth. And so sometimes we want to stay with the old way and sometimes because it's easier. We've done that before. We're familiar with that. It's easier to do that than to go over into something new and something that's foreign to us. So we go and do the old thing. And God said, no, that's not the way I want to do it. But if you want to stand there striking on that rock, you go ahead and you strike that rock. And some of you, you're striking that rock and ain't nothing happening. You're walking around the same mountain and ain't nothing happening. You're seeing that same ice cream stand. And that same man standing on the corner smoking a cigarette. And we deceive ourselves and say, that's just a man that looked like the other man. They must have a chain of ice cream stores. They ain't that same ice cream store I saw before. So God is saying, find out what my will is for your life and do it. And do it. God is faithful. The promises in God are yea and in us and in him. They are amen. They are amen. He who has promised is faithful. And God is getting us to a place where we don't allow our heart to wander away from the things of God. And most of the time, that's what happens. And it just happens gradually, where all of a sudden our hearts have uh, gradually strayed away from the things of God. That's why the Bible says, set your affections on things above and not on things on, on this earth. And where your heart is, there will your treasures be. What treasures are here? What are you treasuring? Where is your heart? And I believe that's what God is saying. Where is your heart? when it comes to God. Stand with me, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, God is saying that he's doing things in your life that you can't see. Don't quit. See, God is working in our lives. He's working in the spirit realm. There is not a prayer that we pray that God does not hear. And there is not a prayer that we pray that God does not answer. 
But sometimes the answer is no, and we have to remember that. Sometimes God will give you a no. But there is not a prayer that we pray that God does not hear and that God does not answer. What is that prayer that you have here that you just want to bring before God? I believe there's an anointing in the room. Where those, when we bring those before God, as the Bible says, it's like a sweet incense that flows up to him. What is that prayer in your heart? Just think for a second. Get that prayer before you. Jesus. Same God that saved you can deliver you. The same God that healed you, that saved you can heal you. Hallelujah. He changes not. Nothing too difficult for him. Is there anything too difficult for me? That's what God is saying. Father, we know that our Redeemer lives. Father, we know that you save, that you're able to heal us, that you're able to carry us, you're able to care for us, you're able to support us, you're able to love us, that you redeem us, that you're able to sustain us, that there is nothing that's too difficult for you. We know that you're always with us because you promised to never leave us and never forsake us. And Father, we are thankful that this morning that so many of your women have sown in tears. And now it's time to reap in joy the great things that you have called them to. And Father, you are saying this morning that find out what your will is for their lives. And whatever you tell them to do, Lord God, you're calling for them to do it, not on their own and not in their own strength, but with your help, they are able to perform it. And Lord, we're thankful that you're working in ways that we cannot see. And Father, we're thankful that you made a road and a river in the wilderness for us. We're thankful that you are our God, and beside you, we don't want another God. We've tried it the other way. We've tried it our own way. We've tried serving another master, but we found that you are the one and only true God. And you call us a special people, the redeemed of the Lord. And Father, we are thankful that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And you are calling for us to walk in the light as you are in the light. And Lord, today, with that prayer that we're bringing before you, we're thankful that you answer prayer, that you are a God who can transform, you are a God who can change, you are a God who intervenes. We're thankful, Lord God, as this prayer stands before you, we'll thank you for, we thank you for answered prayer. And our declaration will be the answer and not the problem. Our confession will be the answer and not the problem. We call those things that are not as though they were, just as you see the things in our lives. And Lord, we're thankful for this conference. We're thankful that you brought us to a place that's a safe haven where we will receive the word of Almighty God. Now, Lord God, we pray that you would help us to plant that word in our heart and that we would wrap faith around the, the word, Lord God, that you have given this morning and this weekend. And we say that the enemy won't come and steal that word. That that word will perform what you have sent it to perform. It will prosper in a way that you have sent it. It will not return unto you void. 
Because we know that some of us are going back home into the same situations that we left. Some situations haven't changed, but Lord God, we are going back changed. And we are going back to affect our household. We are going back to bring change into our homes. Because many times it begins with a woman in the home. And in many of our homes, we can set the tone for our home. And Father, we're thankful that you are not just here, but you are way back to where we're going. You are back in our houses right now, even ministering by your spirit. That your ministering angels, Lord God, are going throughout our homes, that you're preparing it for your presence. And even for a greater concentration, because we have your presence, Lord God, but we want it to come stronger in our homes. And as for me and my house, we declared that we are going to serve you and acknowledge you in all of our ways. And Lord, we thank you for this time of refreshing. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence that's here this weekend. And Lord God, as we go to the next session, thank you that you refresh us. And Lord God, that you strengthen us to hear your word, that our hearts are prepared, that your, your word will fall on good ground. And it will produce a harvest. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. To the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's it. Amen. Thank you, Lord.